guys, welcome to Freedom 2018. Thank you so much for carving out this weekend to meet with the Lord and come and worship with us. I just want to remind us why we're here. The theme of our weekend is the Great Exchange. We are here for the weekend, but especially tonight, to trade in our sorrow in exchange for God's joy. You guys know I like definitions. So what exactly is sorrow? What exactly is joy? Sorrow is defined as a feeling of distress caused by loss, disappointment, grief, regret, oppression, or an injury done. As I'm talking to you guys tonight, I want you to be thinking about your pain, your sorrow, and maybe it lines up with one of these things. Have you experienced disappointment? I mean, yeah, I have. Grief, regret, oppression, or an injury done. Sometimes it's hard to even bring those things into our mind to allow our hearts to touch them because they hurt so much, and yet God wants to liberate you from that. He wants to take that from you, and he wants to replace it, not, not next week, not next year, but tonight with joy, joy being defined as a feeling of great delight or contentment caused by something not good, but exceptionally good, exceptionally fulfilling, exceptionally satisfying. With those things in mind, let's pray and let's get into our sermon. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for all the nights that have led up to tonight. We invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, we just declared you are welcome here. You are welcome in this room. You are welcome in our minds and our hearts. Would you please help us be bold tonight, be brave tonight, be humble tonight, and take a look inside of ourselves at our sorrow. Would you be with us there, as I know you will be with us there, as we identify that thing that we might not even know right now what it is that has been tripping us up and keeping us back. We invite you now, what do you want to say to me? Student, in your own words, just invite Jesus. I'm here what do you want to say to me? Lord, our eyes are open and our ears are open. Come and speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, one of my favorite verses, I mean, one of my favorite books in all the Bible is Isaiah, and we're going to be spending a lot of time in Isaiah this weekend. But one of my favorite verses in Isaiah is 43:19. It says, Look, I am about to do something new. I have already begun, do you not see it? I am about to do something new. I have already begun, do you not see it? I love the newness of this season. I love that it's a brand new year. I love that it is a brand new month. I love that it's a brand new Freedom Weekend, and who knows how God is going to show up for us as a group and for us as individuals. And I love that tonight marks the beginning of a brand new adventure for every single one of us with Jesus and with each other. One of my favorite things about the new year, and many of you who know me know this about me, is that at the end of a year and right before the beginning of a new one, I sit down with the Lord and I'll ask him, you are God alone. No one else knows what's coming toward me this year but you. No one knows 
better than you, what I need to work on in the year to come, will you give me a verse, a word, a scripture to guide my year forward that you know will benefit me if I press into it, that you know will bless me if I obey it? And in 2017, when I asked the Lord that, he gave me my shortest one in 10 years. It was Isaiah 26.3. This was the word that I have lived by and pressed into to the best of my ability and not always perfect every single day this past year. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm a visual guy and I'm very forgetful and I'm a horrible memorizer of scripture. My boss just let me know this past week we're going to start memorizing a scripture a week and I'm just like, ah! Like, I'm horrible at it. I'm just bad. And so I need visuals. That's why I make my prayer cards. And I even went so far as to put my life verses on my arm. I have no excuse. And each one of these verses, these references, starting in 2008 and going all the way to 2017, is a reminder for me of what God did for me and what God showed me that year. And right there at the top, 2017, is Isaiah 26.3. You, Lord, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And that ended up being, when I asked for that, not this past December, but last year, the perfect word for the year that God knew was coming for me and for my wife and for my family and for this ministry. Because 2017 was hard. Did anybody have a tough 2017? Personally, emotionally, spiritually, a lot of us did. 2017 was one of the, and for me, maybe the hardest ministry I've ever had, hardest year I've ever had in ministry. Um, I had some really challenging situations, and some people that um, I loved and were close to me, they, they let me down. Did anybody get dis disappointed by a, another human in 2017? I feel you. Multiple humans disappointing the Justin this year. Um, I even got just personally outright attacked by some people. Did anybody get bullied this year? Anybody get attacked this year? Anybody feel super uncomfortable and just want to run for the hills this year because of a relationship? I feel you. I walked through that too. And I began to feel around this summer like disappointment in my work, in my life, in people was like my new normal. Like I just started to expect it. Um, Brooke and I used to started saying to each other, like, okay, that one's done, and like, what's next? We're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it was one thing after another. And it got so bad, and I shared this with you guys a couple weeks back, but I, I actually sat down with the Lord back in October, and I said, do, do you still even want me to be in ministry? Do you still want me to be the pastor of the Woods Edge Student Ministry? Because I just feel like I'm, I'm mucking it up and I'm running into a wall, and this is so difficult and hard, and I just wanted to quit. And I imagine you guys had your own situations this year in respective areas of life where you just wanted to throw in the towel and quit. And I wanted to quit bad, but I, I asked the Lord, what do you want? And he reminded me, clearly, keep trusting in me, keep fixing your thoughts on me, and I did. And it was still hard, but that perfect peace he promised, I began to see it and I began to experience and on the worst of days, which was just nothing short of miraculous. And Brooke and I began to feel, even though just one after another was just like body blows, 
that God started to say to us, if you can survive this, if you can keep your eyes on me, I am going to bless you, and I am going to bless your family, and I am going to bless the student ministry of Woods Edge beyond your wildest dreams in 2018. Now, last month, December 30th, on my back porch, I sat down, it's the end of the year, and I said, what do you have for me this year? What's the word you want to give me? What's the verse that I can be keeping my mind on and keeping my heart fixed on for the new year? And please, God, know I am ready for it because 2017, bye-bye, I'm done. Let's move on. I've shared an excerpt of my quiet time from that morning. Lord, 2017 has been a hard year. Yet true to your word, you have given us peace in the midst of panic. And you have seen fit to bless us even when we were simply and only asking to survive. I love the things that you have called us to pray for that we feel like you have promised for us in 2018. A third child who we feel we are to name Canaan Joshua. Like, we were done with kids. I'm 42. Brooke was like, no kids after 30, but we just feel like the Lord said, you're going to have a third. It's like, are you, are you sure? But we feel like he said that and even gave us the name. Feel like he promised and told us to pray for healing for Brooke for OCD, which oddly enough, we have been to some doctors for Brooke's OCD and we've been to some doctors for some cysts that she's had, and they said, you can have invasive surgery, and it's a 50-50, it's like a roll of the dice, or we find that if you just have a baby, it might just fix everything. We're like, what? That's, it's like going to a mechanic, and they're like, throw a wrench into your hood, and you're like, oh, the car's fixed. It's like, that doesn't seem like medical science to me, but that's what they said. <laughs> so maybe there's like two birds with one stone here. We feel like God has promised us, and he has exhorted us to pray, and we've been praying for this for months and months, peace, rest, and fruitfulness, and a huge one. You guys know that I say this all the time. We have been praying, and we feel like God has promised us in 2018 for revival in the Woods Edge student ministry that is going to impact the entire church, the entire community, and go beyond what we can track. So that was my prayer. And I just said, redeem our sorrow, Lord, restore our joy, and revive the fire in our hearts. And I just opened my Bible, and I trusted the Spirit to speak to me, and I began reading. And immediately, the two pages that I was on, Isaiah chapter 4 just leapt off the page, just leapt up in my spirit as I read, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Now those who survive the destruction and are recorded among the living, the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion. He will cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains, and then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. I have spent a lot of time in this passage, and we're going to talk about it as the weekend unfolds, but I believe that God is promising not just Justin and Brooke and my family, but us, our student ministry, every one of you that hears my voice, rescue in 2018 from whatever you need rescue from, refreshment in 2018 from wherever you need refreshing, and revival 
revival like none of us have ever witnessed before. And I don't think that God would be offering this to us if we didn't need it, if we didn't need rescue tonight and refreshment tonight and revival here and now. So a question that I want you to be asking yourselves, and if you have pen and paper, you can go ahead and begin the note-taking process as we go through this. Where do I need rescue? Ask yourself that. Ask the Lord that. Where do I need rescue today, here, and now? What is my sorrow? That's kind of a poetic word. I don't really use that all the time. Like, what is it? What's my sorrow? What is causing me to feel grief and sadness? What loss did I experience? Just ask him that. What's my pain? What are you afraid of tonight, student? What's that thing? And we all got something that you've got buried away, and in certain circumstances, you're like, dear God, please don't ask me this. Please don't press over here because I can't bear anyone knowing what's that thing for you. It could be an addiction. It could be a disorder. It could be whatever. But what do you need rescue from tonight? If you already know what it is, I encourage you, jot it down or keep it in the forefront of your thoughts. Where do you need refreshment? Where are you tired? Are you tired of school? Praise the Lord. Yes, you are. School is hard here. Where do you need refreshment? How's your self-confidence? Like, are you just bursting at the seams? Are you always walking around in the Superman pose? Or are you just kind of beaten down and dragging and don't really want to get out of bed in the morning? Man, you need some refreshment, and God's offering it to you tonight. How's your faith in God? How's your expectation that he's going to answer your prayers, that he's going to show up here and now? Do you need that to be refreshed? Because he wants to refresh it tonight. And lastly, where do, you, where do you need revival? I tell you, we need it in our city bad. And we need it in our hearts even more. Where do you need revival when it comes to, like, do you experience peace on a regular basis? Um, do you feel strong? Are you full of joy right now? If so, praise God. But I bet all of us could use some more. Now, if God is a good father and his desire is to rescue us and refresh us and revive us, well, the question would be like, okay, he's God all the time and I'm me all the time. Why don't we experience rescue and revival and refreshment all the time, all day, every day? Well, Isaiah 4 is four chapters in. So if he's promising in four, let's look back at one and find out why didn't they already have it? Isaiah chapter 1, 2 through 3. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Now, even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. The reason that you and I don't experience refreshment and rescue and revival on an ongoing, continuous basis, which is how it's supposed to be, is because we have rebelled, and we do rebel all the time against God. We rebel by our actions, our thoughts, the feelings we allow to creep up, the bad habits that we allow to grow in us. We rebel against Him constantly. We rebel specifically when we stop listening to the Lord, when we stop looking for the Lord. 
I mean, we're supposed to walk around all day, every day, listening for God and looking for God. He's in nature. He's in the person on your left. He's in the person on your right. He's in you. He's in this book, which in Hebrew is called Mikra, which literally means crying out. The name for Bible in Hebrew is crying out. This book on our shelf, closed all the time, that app you never open but just have, so you can be like, got the Bible app right here, means crying out. It's crying out for us. And when we rebel and when we forget, we lose the ability to recognize God when he shows up. Sometimes he shows up and it's like, that's God right there. And we're like, I don't think so. That's not, he wouldn't, see, we wouldn't say that. He wouldn't do that. That's not his style. Well, how do you know? Have you been listening for him? Have you been looking for him? And then the result of our rebellion is in Isaiah chapter 1, 4 through 5. Oh, what a sinful nation they are loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel, and they have turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You guys, I don't want to speak for you tonight. But I will ask you, if you wrestle with shame and guilt shame or guilt, if you experience on a recurring basis a low sense of self-worth, which is not that important, I'm not that big a deal, don't make a fuss over me, I'll just be over here in the corner. If you tend to isolate yourself, like coming here was like pulling teeth, like coming here was punishment, you can be in your room all weekend or you can go to the freedom thing, you know, sorry for you, but I'm glad you're here. If you can't seem to catch a break, like my year, just continually feeling like you're running into a wall, if you have a hard time controlling your thoughts and your emotions, if any of those are things that you experience on a regular basis, you may have, you probably have, a rebellion problem when it comes to your relationship with your Father, God. And if you don't ask for help, if what I'm saying tonight is resonating and you're like, I don't want to admit it, but yes, he's right. I, I do experience that. And you don't ask for help, that sorrow that is a byproduct of our rebellion, it may lead you to make some bad decisions. It may have already led you to make some bad decisions. Throughout our weekend, we're going to be playing some clips of a movie that I dearly love called Dances with Wolves. I don't know if you know this film, but I strongly recommend it. And for those of you that don't know or haven't seen it in a while, Dances with Wolves is set um, in Civil War America. And there's this Union, not yet, did I just hear something? Union soldier named the Lieutenant John Dunbar. And he has been shot in the leg in the beginning of the film. And if you are familiar with Civil War surgery, it's basically the equivalent of like, oh, if you have a problem with your female parts, just have a baby and everything will be fine. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the scene opens with him, big musket ball in his leg, and they're going to chop off a big chunk of his leg, and he's going to be crippled for the rest of his life. The dude is in pain. He's going to have to have an amputation and be crippled for the rest of his life, but rather than deal with the pain. And does that sound familiar to you tonight? Are you in pain and you're like, I don't want to go there. 
I don't want to deal with it. I'll say I'm struggling with this, even though I know it's really this, but I ain't telling anybody that. Rather than deal with the pain, rather than suffer through, walk through the humiliation of being crippled forever, he takes matters into his own hands, which we all are tempted to do. And let's see what happens. Say none. son, you'll keep your foot. If God is my judge, you'll keep it. Bring up my ambulance. Sir? Bring up my ambulance and bring my surgeon with it. You got an officer who's worth something lying here. You guys have heard of the concept, perhaps, suicide by cop. Somebody wants to die and they do something and then they throw themselves in front of police and they shoot him down. It's something that happens, sadly, pretty frequently around here lately, it seems. But this was suicide by Confederate Army. And I think the most important takeaway from that clip is, those guys can't shoot at all. 
why did Lieutenant John Dunbar give up? Why did he just ride out there and say, take my life? It's because he was in pain and he couldn't handle it, didn't want to deal with it, probably afraid to even make eye contact with it. And yet, the last possible, at the best possible moment, this father figure comes along and he says, I will take care of you. I will make sure that you get fixed. You are valuable to me. And that is exactly what God is saying to every single one of you in this room. You are valuable to me. I long to fix you tonight. Let me. If you want that rescue tonight, again, just ask yourself. He's offering it. He's offering it because we need it. Just ask yourself, where do I need rescue? What in your life is about to just eat your lunch? Where are you hurting? Where, where are you hiding? Where are you putting up that front? You guys, my story, you already know, 2017 was very tough for me. And my gut reaction in each of those instances, when a, the tough stuff confronted me, I, I wanted to fix it. I'm a capable guy. I know how to do things. I know people that can help me. I just wanted to get out there and address the problem and tackle it head on. When people were disappointing me, my gut check, like what I wanted to do instantaneously was just write them off. I'm done with you forever. When people started to attack me, my wife, my team, I wanted to attack back. I wanted to be like, meet me behind the baptismal at four. We're going. But I couldn't do any of those things because God had already said, you just trust me. You just keep your thoughts fixed on me, and I'll take care of the rest. And it, it was so hard, you guys, not to fight, not to just quit on people who seem to have quit on me, and not to just fix everything by, by my power. And I was so tempted to hide, and I was so tempted to just put up a mask and be like, everything's fine. Like, I felt like a drag to the student team this year. Because they're just like, how are you doing? And I'm like, not very good. And they're like, again? I'm like, yes. And I just wanted to hide. I just want to be like, everything's fine. My life is good, real good. And it made me remember, man, that's not who I am. That's the man that I used to be. Um, I have a picture that it really just, it's for your viewing pleasure, really. I don't need it, but it's wonderful. It's me with hair, right? So that's me. Look at it. It's glorious. I don't really miss it. The one on the right. Shut your mouth. That's my dad. That's my sister. I am the guy in the middle. I even put him in color so you'd know. We're at Trafalgar Square in London. And I feel like this image. I look like everything's okay. But I look at this picture, and I will look at it from time to time, maybe once every couple of years when I just see it and smirk at myself smirking at myself, but I look in my eyes, and this is one of the most unhappiest seasons of my life. You know, here I am in London. I got a cool suit. I got a lot of, spent a lot of time on my own on that trip and be really awesome, and yet I was so miserable, and my face says it all. I got that smug, 
conceited look on my face, but behind my eyes, I am miserable, I am a wreck, and I am just hoping and praying that nobody sees it. Um, the reason I was so miserable was because I was just going through the motions of faith. I was not really living what I was saying I was living, and it was eating me up inside. And I was living a double life. You guys know, I, at, during the day, I was good, church-going little Justin, and everybody was my friend, and I could spout off a couple Bible verses from time to time, but every night I was out drinking and partying and living the complete opposite way that I was when I was at church. And I, again, I looked okay on the outside, but I was a wreck on the inside. Um, and the way I saw it at that point in my life was I had three options. I can continue self-medicating, which was for me was drinking. Um, I can self-destruct and just be like, I'll just, you know, drinking, I can go a lot farther than that. And when you do one, there's always a little more nearby. Or I can go to the Lord, and I can just be honest with myself and him and say, this is how I'm feeling. Can you help? Um, I wish I had gone to the Lord early, but I didn't. I took my time because I'm stubborn and dumb and a rebel, just like you beautiful people. Um, but when I did go to the Lord, the answer is right here in Isaiah chapter 1. It's all through the Bible. Isaiah 1.16 Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight and give up your evil ways. You guys, that is so simple, it sounds stupid. Man, I just need to give up my sins and, and like stop doing them and things will get better. Yes, it's that quick. It's that easy. God has promised in Isaiah 4, which I read to you in the beginning, that he wants to rescue us and that he wants to restore us and he wouldn't be offering it to us if we didn't need it. And restoration is a simple two-step process. Admit you have a problem and then accept the solution. What's our problem? Every one of you in this room has been hurt by something. Ten years ago, Ten weeks ago, I don't know, but you've been hurt and your sorrow, your pain is telling you on a recurring regular basis, you're a loser, nobody sees you, nobody cares about you, and you will never be free of this sense of yourself. That's our problem, and we just need to own it. We just need to admit it. We just need to say, I can't get out of this. And the solution, again, is so simple. Just give your sorrow to God. Admit your sorrow and then give your sorrow to God. We're going to play you guys another clip in just a second. This is a little later in the movie. Now John Dunbar had that general's medic come and they saved his foot, but he saved his sorrow too. He was able to keep his foot, but he still had that sorrow inside of him. He was just sick of being a soldier. He was sick of fighting, and so he requested to be reassigned, and he basically banished himself to the furthest Union outpost in the country at the time. It was in the middle of the Great Plains. He had to trek for days to get there, and when he arrives at his post, no one is there. So it's him at this empty, desolate fort in the middle of nowhere with no one around for miles and miles and miles. 
and he has self-secluded. He is isolated. He has retreated as far as you can go. And he is all alone out there, and that loneliness has got to be getting to him. When he meets this tribe of Sioux Indians who had lived there long before any white people had ever shown up. And over time, they kind of become friends. They're testing each other out. And as he gets to know these people, now he's away from the military lifestyle. He's away from killing. He's away from hating himself. And he's with these people that love life and love each other. And as he starts experiencing life with them, he realizes, man, I'm experiencing like real community here. And I haven't seen that in a long time. And the more he invests in that real community, the more he realizes, man, I'm starting to discover my true identity. But there's this tension in him as he is discovering himself in the context of true community because in order to become who he really is, who God really created him to be, he starts to realize that he's going to have to first give up who he had become. Our pain and our sorrow can dictate our choices and make us do things we regret. And over time, you look back just a month, a year at yourself, and you're like, I don't even recognize that person anymore. You ever gone so far off the deep end, your friends or your family are like, I don't even recognize you anymore. It's true, they don't. Because your sorrow and your sin have led you so far away from who you were that they can't recognize you. Now, Lieutenant Dunbar is at this place where he's starting to realize, man, I have become this, and I don't really want this anymore. And he's experiencing this tension of, I really want this. I want true community. I want the real me. But he's going to have to make some tough calls, and he's going to have to let some things go. And I love this clip. So pay attention to these two scenes in one. Can't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm full. I'm full. I can't, and I can't tell the story anymore. Ah. Mm, no. Do you want to try it? You want to try it? Here. I can't. This is too much. Yeah. It's a good trade. This is this is a good trade. No, no, I can't. I'm full. I'm tired. No. Okay. No. G. You no. got you. 
Wangi. 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 Non, 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 si. Tatanka, big Tatanka, big Tatanka, big Tatanka, big Tatanka. That's my hat. Hey. Hey. You're wearing my hat. Hey. It's my hat. No, no, you. My hat. Well, post on key here. Hey, Tawayello, Lieutenant. Yeah, Chinsla, Kayobal Aliwalo, Blue Hactolo. Oh. Well, Laka, Yaki, Wanna get Chinlo. Hey, a kitchen tower. Naha, which are a killer, hey tower. Charlie, not you, ha, slow yapi. Hetchy, a yachi, hetchy. Taku, ikipia. Good trade. You guys, um, Dunbar is not satisfied with his life, and he's carrying around this sorrow and this pain, and he had given up the soldier way of life. And he was investing in this true community, but he was still wearing the soldier clothes, and he was still hanging on to his old identity. And yet in less than five minutes, he has this opportunity to trade in the old for the new. And it was a little uncomfortable at first. He didn't like the idea of giving himself away, giving away what he had been wearing for so long. But he realized quickly in both instances, that trading in the old for the new, trading in loneliness for community, trading in sorrow for joy, this is a good trade. It is exactly what God is offering to every single one of us tonight, a good trade. I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and I'm going to explain what this response could look like for you tonight 
if you want to take advantage of it. There are, and I believe this with all my mind, heart, soul, and spirit, incredible blessings in store for every one of you this weekend, this evening, this year, but we cannot receive those blessings unless we make room for them. And I know that there is some deep sorrow in this room. There is pain in this room. There are some of you thinking about something that you have done, and the guilt has been wrecking you and ruling over you. There is regret in here that God does not want you to be identified as or with. Um, there is addiction in this room. I know how severe the porn struggle is in this student ministry. There is fear in this room. Fear that somebody will know, that someone will find out. I'm here to tell you that the minute you just push that fear aside and say, I'm not going to be ruled by that anymore, you'll wish you had done it years before. And I know there's anger in this room and disappointment. And I would imagine in a room this size, there's probably a good amount of just unbelief. I don't, even, I don't even believe what you're saying. But God brought every single one of you in this room tonight to set you free. And the only thing you need to do to receive that freedom is admit you got a problem and apply the solution. And believe me when I tell you guys that God is going to bless you for your obedience beyond your expectations and so much sooner than you think. So how can we admit we have a problem? How can we give it to Jesus? Well, the scripture said, get your sins out of my sight. And so we have these two doors up here at the response stations. And on top of them, we have these silver Sharpies. And I'm inviting you guys to come and write your sorrow, write your pain, write your addiction, write your fear on this door. And tomorrow, with these covered with our pain and sin, we are going to reattach these where these normally live on our response stations. And we're going to take the junk and the sin and the ick that you lay down and you give to Jesus tonight, and we are going to turn it around. It's going to face the wall. We are literally going to take our sins, and we are going to get them out of sight. We will not see them again. I want you guys to ask the Lord to boil down your sorrow, to boil down your pain, to boil down your sin to one or two words. I want you to get in touch with it. Don't be afraid of it. And just grab a hold of it as long as it takes to get up here and write it down. And don't worry about what the person next to you is writing. Because they're not worried about what you're writing. They didn't come up here to see your stuff. They came up here to lay down theirs. In an attitude of prayer, I'm going to invite you guys to come up here and write that out. And then when you're done, we have these brand new black leather journals for you, which we spent a ton of cash on. But we love to be a student ministry. We strive to be a student ministry that thinks and so we got each of you guys one of these, and they're for the leaders as well, and they're completely blank. So after you write down your sin, after you write down your sorrow, go back to your seat with your journal and remind yourself and remind the Lord what you just did and just write it out. 
because we're going to keep pressing into it this weekend. And the beautiful thing about this, this is blank. This is brand new. And that's the way God is going to see you the minute you take a step of faith and lay down whatever has been pushing you around. I'm going to pray for us. I'd love for you guys to just bow your heads. And like I said a moment ago, maybe you just don't even believe in God. But maybe you recognize there is truth in what I'm saying. You have all the faith you need if that's the case. Jesus, we invite you afresh to come into this place here and now to deliver the rescue that you have promised. And we know that you always keep your promises. Rescue us. Give us the boldness to admit what we're wrestling with, to bring it to you, to lay it down, and to walk away free and clear and clean and empty and ready to be filled. And Lord, for those in this room that just don't believe in you, but again, they recognize this is true. Would you bless their unbelief. Would you bless them with that mustard seed of faith so small that you can't even see it? Would you give them that tonight and start that relationship with them? Lord, this is not just putting some ink on a piece of wood. This is our sacrifice. This is us laying down and giving up what we know we have not been able to handle on our own. And you said, let me. So we're going to let you pray this in your name. Amen. As you're ready, come forward and respond to the Lord.